Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. Good morning. How you doing? So I saw I saw a great meme this week, and maybe you won't appreciate it, but I really appreciate it. <clears throat> so a guy sitting in a restaurant. And he asked the waitress, says, how do you prepare the chicken? And the waitress says, we just straight out tell them they're going to die. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> I got a kick out of it anyway. All right. So let's stand and do the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> it's, it's coming up. I'm going to wait till he gets there. Start off. All right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Okay, you can sit back down again. That was your exercise for the day. <laughs> now... We, we talked last week about uh, forgive us our debts and how you know, we come to the Lord and ask him to forgive us. And this week we're talking about how do we forgive other people who have hurt us, wronged us in some way where we feel that they, what's a debt? It's something owed, right? So we feel like they owe us something. So how do we relate to that? So Jesus says, I want, I want you to pray, forgive us our debts. So he wants us to live with forgiveness. And then after the Lord's Prayer, he adds these verses in Matthew 6, 14, just right after the Lord's Prayer. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, that sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? <laughs> it looks like, uh, as I, you, know, you read this and you read through the Bible about forgiveness, you see that forgiveness is really important to God. Why is it so important? Because the whole nature of God's plan for us and God's work in our life hinges on forgiveness. It's all based on how God is able and how he does forgive us. So, is Jesus saying here that if there's unforgiveness in your heart, that you can lose your salvation? In other words, you know, it says, if you don't forgive, then you won't be forgiven. That's in a pretty bad place to be, right? If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I don't think it's saying that. Uh, I don't think salvation, we talk about this often, uh, is ever based on our behavior, but on Christ's behavior. Our salvation is based upon the complete work of Christ on the cross. There's no work that we can do that can cause us to be worthy enough to be saved, right? We know that. Uh, but there are works that do accompany salvation. Never to earn, we do things and we serve God never to earn God's love, but because we have God's love. So it's, it's, it's always important that we remember that. But he's obviously saying something about forgiveness that forgiveness is a key component of God's strategy to win the lost world to himself, so he wants us to be people of forgiveness. Ephesians 2.10. 
We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So just in front of this verse is, by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. We're saved by grace, but we're saved to good works. And then there's some, there are such, what are some of those things? Well, we love God with all of our heart. That's one of the things he's called us to. We're going to love God with all of our heart. We're, we're supposed to love one another as Christ loved us. And that's a great challenge, isn't it? To love each other the way Christ loved us. We're supposed to be at war with sin. We all, everybody sins. We're not supposed to be okay with it. We, we all sin. We, we mess up. But we want to be at war with it and defeat it in the name of Christ. We want to have the same attitude as Christ, which is an attitude of humility where we can humble ourselves. We want to also forgive those who have wronged us. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How do we forgive? The same way that we were forgiven. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bear with each other, and forgive one another. If any one of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So because we've been forgiven so much, we are expected to forgive like we've been forgiven. Now, we've all been wronged and hurt, right? Some, I would say some viciously so, some so there's all kinds of physical and emotional abuse that has been done. We've been, you've been betrayed, we've been betrayed, cheated, lied to, lied about, maybe made the object of scorn and ridicule. There's no denying that, that people do evil things. And, and a lot of you at some point in your life have experienced bad things that happened to you. But in each of those circumstances, the Lord gives us the ability to break free of the pain and overcome those hurts and pains and abuses with Christ-like, Holy Spirit-empowered forgiveness. That's the only way to do it. Is the only way we can break free, free of the past is to walk in forgiveness. In Matthew 18... I love this. This is a great illustration that Jesus gives. And Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. So this was the, this was the normal kind of belief of the rabbis taught that, that you needed to forgive somebody seven times. <clears throat> so so Peter's, just, Peter's asking the Lord, you know, it looks like he's looking for a loophole. You know, you ever look for a loophole in the scripture? You know, is there a way out here so I don't have to forgive this person? So it's looked like he's looking for a way out. He says, so Lord, how many times do I have to forgive him? Because he's thinking, I've forgiven him seven times. I'm off the hook. Number eight, buddy, I'm punching you in the nose. But, you know, up to seven, you're good. And uh, the Lord says, Jesus says, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Other other." Other translations say seven times 70. I think the point is, uh, if you're counting, it doesn't work. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And so he's telling us, look, this is what forgiveness looks like in the kingdom of heaven. And as he began to sell, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Ten, that's a lot of money, right? 10,000 bags of gold. How many of you brought a bag of gold with you this morning? Okay. Since he was not able to pay the master, if, I didn't see anybody's hand go up. So I just wanted to since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And this was a common way to deal with debt in those days. People would be sold or put into prison until other people would pay the debt on their behalf. So he's actually selling the man's family to pay the debt. Now this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So he owed, you know, bags and bags, 10,000 bags of gold. And this other servant just owed him a handful of, of silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. He said the exact same thing that he said. Did you catch that? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed, which he could never pay back. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Wow. So what's he saying? I think he's trying to tell us that forgiveness is a big deal and that God takes it seriously and it's kind of a zero tolerance policy that he wants us as believers to walk in forgiveness. There's never a situation where Jesus allows us not to forgive someone. So if you don't forgive, what happens? Well, you end, end up being the one that's tortured. You get handed over. The one who doesn't forgive is the one who doesn't forgive the debt, is the one who gets handed over to the torturers. If you don't forgive, you, you end up being the one who's tortured. Think about this. Unforgiveness is an emotional burden that weighs you down and tortures the one who will not forgive. You know, often the person who's done the wrong, they're clueless. They're not suffering at all. They're fine, but you, you're holding this anger and this hurt and this bitterness, and it's weighing you down because it, you find it so difficult to forgive. God never intended for us to be vessels filled with hatred because when we're filled with hatred, the result of that is outburst of anger, mood swings, depression. Often depression is caused by anger that is turned inward. Your emotions, like every other part of your body, your emotions have a limited amount of energy. And we, we can understand physical limitations. And all of us have physical limitations. If we started running, right now, if we said, okay, we're going 
we're going to go out and run around the building. Okay? Everybody's got limitations. I would make it to the door. Then watch the rest of you run around the building. Some of you, some of you have been, you know, have been doing some running and you could run like Davina. She could do like a 5K or 6K or 10K or something. Joe, uh, did you do the marathon or? The, Joe did the ultra marathon, uh, nearly killed himself. Uh, we almost got to have a funeral and a, you know, but. In other words, so ever, you know, some of it, we're in different levels of condition physically. And so if you, if you, if we took off running, uh, we've all got a limitation of how far we can run. And we also have the same kind of limitations emotionally, but we don't think about it. We all have different capacities of, of what we can do. We have a limited amount of emotional energy. And the highest consumer of emotional energy is anger. When you have anger on the inside of you, it's like putting your emotions on a treadmill that never stops. So you're running with this always going on inside of you. So it drains your emotional energy. So then you end up, because you've drained your emotional energy, the people that you are around and the people that you're, you love, they get an edgy cranky, overreacting person to situation and events because you've already expended your emotional energy internally on the treadmill of life. Now, we're saved by grace, and your salvation is not precarious. I'm going to make, I'll tell you this a couple of times. I want you to realize that. But a mark, the mark of a person who has truly experienced forgiveness and grace is that they want to be a person that gives what they've received. We've received forgiveness and grace. So we want to be a person that grace is flowing from us and forgiveness is flowing from us. And if we're angry on the inside, uh, it's, it's just hard for that to happen. Ephesians 4.2 says, In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And this term foothold, I'm sure you'll recognize it. The Greek word is topos. And you think, you think about a map, a, a topography, and the word topos means an opportunity understood as if having the room or space to function or perform. So what... What Paul is saying, he's saying, when, when you let anger go on and continue for a long period of time, you actually give the enemy territory in your life. You give them a topography. You give them a place to stand. You, you give them a place of, that they can operate out of. Can you, I mean, can you imagine thinking, I'm, you know, I thought, I'm going to carve out this little space in my life for the enemy to operate. We'd say, that's crazy. Why would we do that? But when, when we are, let anger go on and on and on in unforgiveness, then we begin to do that. We give him a place to function in our lives. Today's anger is okay. It's okay to be angry. It's not, it's not a sin to be angry. Has anybody been angry lately? I mean, it's normal 
uh, anger is a normal, a normal emotion. It's not evil, but anger that is out of control and anger, anger that is continued for a long period of time. So yesterday's anger is surrendering territory in your life to the control of the devil. It's opening a door to the enemy to come in undetected and plant a lie to claim territory or a place to operate from in your mind. So we, we, we want to we cast that out. We want to get that out of our life, right? And we do that with forgiveness. The poison of unforgiveness damages the vessel it's stored in more than anything or anyone that you can pour it on. Forgiveness doesn't make them right. It just makes you free. Forgiveness is one of the most self-caring, loving things that you can do. And if you continue to carry the wounds of your past, if you won't forgive, the reality is you can't get healed. Did you get that? That's what's hard. So what is the meaning of forgiveness? So we've talked about how important it is. How, what, what's the meaning of forgiveness? It's permanently forgiving all debt and bringing the balance to zero. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Are you glad that God brought the account to zero? So God brought the account to zero. So what, how does he want us to forgive? He wants us to bring the account to zero. We think, ooh, that's so hard. So... To bring the account to zero is to say, you don't owe me anything. You don't owe me an explanation. You don't owe me the right kind of apology. Ooh. You ever do that? You know, I don't think that apology was sincere. I don't, they didn't mourn enough when they apologized, you know. So the man still owed all the debt when the master forgave him. Then he said he would repay it, which was impossible. He may have had the best of intentions, but he never could have repaid it because it was impossible to owe all these bags of gold. So we have to trust God with justice. The meaning of forgiveness is I'm going to let go of the debt, then I'm going to trust God with justice because what the, one of the reasons why we're holding on to unforgiveness is because we want them to pay. We want them to hurt. And so we feel like if I let this go, if I let this hurt go, then I'm letting them off the hook. Right? So we think that, you know, I'm going to hold on to this. That lousy son of a gun. I am not going to let this go because I'm going to hold them accountable. So who hurts in that? Well, they don't. We do. So we have to trust God. With his justice. Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Now, I want you to just think about something. Paul is writing this to the Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians. He's writing about forgiveness. During this time, in just a few short years, Paul himself is going to be killed by Nero. Christians are being killed right and left for their faith. They're People are betraying them and turning them over to be killed. And so people are dying. And he's saying, listen, I want you to forgive those people. As a matter of fact, it was, it was the ability of the, the first century church to act like Jesus. When Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. To act like Jesus, to forgive the people that were killing them, that it became a catalyst to reach 
the, the world at that time. It was affected. So when they saw that heart of forgiveness. So Paul is saying, listen, I know it doesn't make sense in this world. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You can't live at peace with everyone. You can do your part, but that doesn't mean they'll do their part. But do your part as much as lieth within you. Live at peace with everyone. Do not, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. Who do you think can do a better job at repayment and justice? On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, which sounds like fun. Uh, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So how do you do that? That's, doesn't that sound hard? It is hard. And we can only do it by the grace and power of the Holy Spirit so that we permanently forego all expressions of private and public judgment. So I'm not going rep- to reproach them privately or publicly. I'm not going to call them names and talk about them. I'm not going to keep this thing stirred up in my spirit, in my heart, in my mind by talking about it. I'm going to pray for them. Jesus said, but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, I want to tell you, there is a place of protecting the body of Christ and warning them about certain destructive people. We see this clearly in the, in the New Testament. Just as the court makes a registry of pedophiles, why do we do that? Why do we, why do we make sex offenders register? We do that because they have hurt a lot of people, and we want them to stop hurting people, so we register them so that we know where they are. First, uh, Second Timothy 4, Paul says, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. You should be on the guard against him because he strongly opposed your message. So you see in this, Paul is saying, hey, watch out for this guy. The Lord's going to repay him. All right? So watch out for this guy, but I've forgiven him. In other words, he's not, he's not saying this out of malice and anger. He's saying, listen, watch out for him. You know, the Lord's going to get him. You be on the guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Third John 9, I wrote to you in the church. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. Diotrephes gets mentioned a couple of times by John because he's not allowing uh, guests that John is sending to the church Diotrephes is not allowing them into the church. Titus 3.10 says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time. After that, have nothing to do with them. You may be sure that such people are warped and sinful, that they are self-condemned. So it's, it's not that you're just going will, to just forgive everybody and you can just run all over me. What, here's what forgiveness doesn't mean. Forgiveness doesn't mean that I lose the right of self-protection. If someone is abusing you, get away from them. 
Don't make yourself a target of further abuse. Or put yourself into unsafe situations emotionally or physically. There are people in my life through the years that I choose not to be around. I would say I believe with all of my heart that I have forgiven them. But they are abusive and they're liars. And I just won't put myself in that circumstance. If I saw them, I can be kind, I can be congenial, but I am not inviting them into my life because they have just proven themselves. They haven't earned any trust back. You know, we've talked about this. Forgiveness we give based on what God has done for us, but trust is earned. And when someone destroys your trust, it is right for you and appropriate for you to have them have to rebuild that trust. Forgiveness doesn't mean I have no basis for confrontation. We can see scripturally that the apostle Paul confronted the apostle Peter. That confrontation didn't mean that, that, that they couldn't forgive each other and walk in unity, but there was still confrontation. I can forgive you and still confront you. And if, you, if I confront you and you don't change, I'm still going to forgive you. It doesn't mean that there's no punishment or consequences for, or accountability. It doesn't mean that I cannot seek legal or police protection. I can forgive you, but you may be going to jail. Forgive you. I forgive you, you know, as they get carried off to jail. Or, you know, you might say, I forgive you, but you can't drive my car anymore. You were not so responsible. I, I can't trust you yet. Uh, I forgive you, but let me see your phone. Let me see your text messages. Let me see your history. So forgiveness doesn't mean, you know, it's just, you know, just, hey, I forgive you. Just do what you want to me. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you cannot create distance if they're not willing to change. And if they're not willing to change, biblically, it says you should create distance. Matthew 18, Jesus said, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you've won them over. But if if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. This is like not today somebody that works for the IRS that's talking about, you know. So if someone's wronged me, I'm not bound to trust them. Trust is earned, but I am commanded to forgive them. Now here's what you have to watch out for. Someone that is manipulative will tell you, well, you're a Christian, you, you have to forgive me. My answer to that is, you don't get to tell me who I have to forgive. That's, God's already done that. I'm serving God, not you. <laughs> you don't have the right to manipulate me and try to control me by telling me I have to forgive you, then you get to do whatever you want. That's not the way it works. And so sometimes, you know, I mean, people say, well, I said I'm sorry. Okay, I believe you. I believe you said you were sorry. But I want to see corresponding action on your part. I want to see that you, you, you know, that it's not just you're saying sorry. 
So how do we forgive from the heart? Well, first of all, we have to remember that our sins cost Jesus his life, that we're sinners, and we've been forgiven. Forgiveness is often tied to, throughout the scriptures, because you've been forgiven, forgive. Because I forgave you, forgive. Our basis for forgiveness is what Christ has done for us. So we're forgiven based on how we've been forgiven. So who killed Jesus? Did the Romans kill Jesus? Did the Jews kill Jesus? The scripture is pretty clear that you and I killed Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Paul says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Did Jesus die for your sins? Then you killed him. (laughs) It was your sins that put him on the cross. We've been forgiven a, a tremendous, unbelievable debt of sin that Christ has set us free. He's cleared us. So remember that his, our sins cost Jesus his life. Remember that God loves the offender as much as he loves you. Make a permanent release of their debt and release judgment to God. In other words, turn it over to God. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful what you do in the right, what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Believe room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Unforgiveness is a kind of unbelief where you don't believe God will or can handle it. So we feel like we've got to take it into our own heart take it into our own mind and handle it ourselves. Jesus said, here's the hard part, we have to bless them and pray for them. Luke 6, 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Regardless of who you hate, the people who live around you will get the worst of it. Unforgiveness, which is anger turned inward, that undealt with anger and that unforgiveness will have a work in you that will cause you to be cranky, bitter, easily angered. You'll be responding to situations. Have you ever found this to be true? Just think about this. So you're at work and you have a bad day at work. And you're tired, you're, you know, you're cranky, you're upset, and you go home, and they haven't done anything wrong. But when you walk through the doors, you're just kind of pissed off already. And so you end up punishing them for the day that you had. It's not fair, is it? Not, but we do it. In the same way, anger, does, has the, anger has the same result. Unforgiveness has the same result. That it gets us to a place where already, we're already there. And something happens and bam, we're on it. I can't believe you let that, 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 you know, and we're into it. So that's why it's so important. We need to recognize when we don't deal with it, it still manifests itself in our lives. It, it like sneaks through our pores into other areas of our life if we don't deal with it. Blessing, when we pray for people and bless them, we bless them and pray for them. See, the Lord's teaching us, how do you get this 
how do you get this anger and unforgiveness out of your heart? How do you get this, this, just deal with this stuff that's going on? And you bless and pray for them. Every time you want to rehearse the wrongs and the things that have been done, and it's so easy to do, and the things that have been said, and the way it was said, and I can't believe they said that, it's so hard to stop doing that. And the only way to stop doing that is when that starts to happen, you have to change your thought processes, and instead of going through that, those motions again and again and again, playing those same tapes, listening to those same stories, we have to stop, and in the name of Jesus, bless them and pray for them. How do we do that? How do we do that? We do that with the, like the way we overcome every sin. We do it with the strength that God gives. We do it by focusing on what Jesus has done for us. But we fight the fight to, to say and believe the right things. Blessing forces forgiveness out of your head and into your heart. It doesn't make them right. I want you to remember this. It doesn't make them right, but it makes us free. You want to be free or you want to be right? It's hard to have both. Amen? All right, let's stand. If you stand up, I'll quit. <laughs> We've all struggled with this. We've all struggled with this. Right? And Lord, what the Lord wants, he just wants us to be free. He just doesn't want us weighed down with it. He doesn't want us to have surrendered an area of our life to the enemy. that we've, we've given a topos. We've given a place. We've surrendered a place of authority to the enemy. We've, we've let the en enemy move into one of the rooms of our house. And so we have to, we want to, we want to be free of that and, we want to forgive the way that God's forgiven us. And it's, it's an ongoing process. It's, it's not a, well, I'm done with that. Never have to worry with that again. No, you'll probably have to worry with it tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day. There's a time when it's going to pass away, but you're going to have to battle with it every day to battle to bless and pray and believe God and trust God. Let God take revenge. Put it in, put it, put it, cast your cares back on God and trust him with it. It's an ongoing struggle to trust God. Do you believe that God can handle it? He can. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, every one of us, Every one of us in this place have been wronged, some, some horrendously. Some have been so wronged. It's, it's just amazing what people do to other people. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us have hearts of forgiveness. Not because we're great forgivers, but because you are. Because you've forgiven us of such great sins. Our sins, though many, have been washed away. The Lord, because of what you've done for us because we have forgiven. As the Lord forgave us, we want to forgive. Lord, I pray that you would help us today to walk in forgiveness, not in anger, not in bitterness, not in wrath, not in clamor, not in strife, not in division, but walk in grace and mercy and freedom and forgiveness in Jesus' name trust you 
to take care of it, either here or in eternity. But we can trust that you are just. You are just and true. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. See you next week. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.